Welcome, welcome back, everybody, to Dice and Consequences. We're back with another episode of The Curse of Strahd. I am Jake Geedy. I'm playing Vincent. Uh, joining me around the table is Kirsty Hamilton. Hello, I'm playing Urlin. Uh, Savannah Baldwin. Frida Leafhill. And, of course, our humble and illustrious Dungeon Master, who definitely doesn't have to correct me when we mess up uh, opening things, we've got Austin Woodyard. I, I never corrected anyone. No, no, it was, it was always, everything was, was correct. But, hey, uh, I believe we have somebody new joining the table to us today. Uh, Dungeon Master, do you want to introduce him, or would you like me to? Uh, I'll go ahead. This is Chris. He is quite know. the lad. <laughs> I am a rad lad, if I say so myself. So, for those of you who have uh, been following Destiny Consequences, you know Chris is from our Incarnate campaign. So, Chris Ward, uh, who are you playing? Uh, well, my character's uh, full name is Catavarus Williams, but if you don't want to say it, you can just call him Carbuncle. Carbuncle Williams. All right. <laughs> so we are back in the land of Barovia, and uh, it has been a while since we've been there. So uh, do we want to get some rolls out there? That's right. There we go. Highest roll. This is a privilege of recapping. All right. I rolled an 11. You're 17. That's terrifying. <laughs> All right, here we go. Can I roll to recap? No. <laughs> no, no, you won't have to roll to recap. Okay. This could be a real this could be the start of a like a really good day for me or a really bad day You're for like, me. Let's see up. that. Let's see the oh, nat twenty out of Vincent. Let's see it. Come on. Oh! Okay, thirteen. Not a nat twenty, but still more. Okay. Lady Luck smiles upon me today. <laughs> I'm pissed. Okay, watch now. Now I won't roll above a thirteen for the rest rest of this entire session. And that's so, all. Jesus. <laughs> anyway, uh, okay. So going back on the recap here, we got into the town of Barovia at the last uh, after the last session after we had finished with uh, the Durst Manor. We uh, came into the town. Noticed the town was uh, really like eerily quiet. There weren't a whole lot of people around there. Everybody else was looking like kind of downtrodden and menacing, if I recall correctly. At least that's what I put in my notes. A lot um, of people staring at us with weapons. Yes, yeah, basically that that kind of uh, thing. We uh, walked through the town and we found a general store or a, uh, I guess, a, just a store. Mercantile. Um, yeah, Mercantile. The guy, I can't remember his name. Gilrath. Uh, Gilrath, that's right. Uh, Gil he was charging exorbitant prices to us but uh you know he was obviously war profiteering but that's fine it is what it is i understand you're the only game in town everyone's downtrodden they need all your stuff so yeah okay free market economy whatever we dealt with him uh then we went up to the church on the hill where we met uh the priest there we talked with him about uh, all that's uh, all that was going on a little bit like in the town he was praying uh for some reason um, uh, at least a prayer of healing. Yeah, prayer of healing. The church was like destroyed. A bunch of the holy symbols and stuff were gone. Uh, he said basically that the the church had lost its consecration essentially. And we found out at the end of it that he had locked his his son in the uh, undercroft of the church. I don't know if we found out at that time what was wrong with the boy, uh, no, but he said. It was later, but yeah. uh, there was something skittering that was undead under the floor, and we found out it was that. Yeah, because did did you do did you do the uh, divine the, sense? Divine sense. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so we did divine sense. 
He was telling us that, that the uh, the Burgermeister's son was still trying to uh, fight the the creatures off or fight the stuff off, and so we were going to go help him. They, he also told us that Strahd had been sending undead to bewitch the village that's from the right. graveyard, and we noticed that there was a castle looming over the village. Yes, that's right. That's another one there. Um, then we met Granny. Yeah, then we met a kind old woman. Yeah, she gave us pie. I don't know if I would see every, anybody here yet that has been quote unquote kindly. Anyway, what are you about? Granny was super kind. Great. Well, so she came us. She gave us pies, and was handing them out to other people for like dirt cheap. Oh, there was uh, the one woman who was like what Mad Mary. Yeah, her daughter was stolen. Uh, and she was had been wailing and screaming, and we couldn't get into her house. Uh, so we decided to go up to the Burgermeister's house. We met his son and his sister, who is suffering from like a mysterious illness, but Antony diagnosed it as like blood loss, essentially. We were now fortifying the house. We got their father's coffin nailed shut and put together so that way he wasn't laying decaying in his room anymore. I think that's about as far as we got. Yeah, I have to say, there there is one thing that's very key that you're missing, and that we measured her teeth. <laughs> How could you right. get that? They were, pro- they were approximately 0.08 cubits, or well within the range of normal. As of now, they had not grown oh, into fangs. forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she had no reaction to a, a holy symbol. Wait, um, she... <laughs> She was wait, okay, hang on. How many how many cubits was she? Uh 0.08 is what I have written down. Her, her teeth. So that is I don't know how big that is. We, we, okay. we, we did the math. I was like, so it was like so one I was like one cubit is about one and a half feet. So you say 0. 0.8 or 0. 0.08? 0. 0.08. 0. 0. 0.08. So that's like uh don't try to do it in your head. You know you it's not it's gonna like work. Point it's one and a half feet, you said? One and a half feet is one cubit. But if it's point zero eight cubits, it's point one two feet. Something like that. Oh, one point four four inches. One point okay, so that's still really long for a tooth. Those are pretty, pretty big teeth. Those are huge <laughs> fucking teeth. Uh we must have did some wrong math there. <laughs> Maybe it was point zero zero. Anyways, uh, uh, <laughs> it doesn't matter. They're good teeth. They're normal teeth. Yeah, good strong teeth. And her brother's giving her a transfusion. Yes, I, I believe the transfusion had been finished, but now he was yes. relaxing. Yeah. I think that's about it. I think that's about it. That that's it too. Yeah. Uh, do we? What what level are we again? Are we level three? Yes. Yes. That's what I thought. Okay. Good. All right, Dungeon Master, take it away. Yeah. You guys. We're in the Kuliana Estate on the outskirts of the village of Barovia. Right now, Frida is upstairs with Ismark and Irina, and Yerlin and Vincent uh, just came downstairs to see Antony, who is uh, holding uh, Lancelot close to his chest. Hello, Antony. You have um, that thing, uh, Lancelot, right? Yes. Antony nods and he lurches just towards you. The hunchback looks to you and he says, Yes, sir. The halfling left. He gave me the dog. He what? He left. Well, with uh, our grim state, I can't really blame him much. I... After some treasure of sorts, 
After but some treasure. I think we'll need a hand if this mark is any measure of uh, the horrors that happen here. Perhaps you can still catch him in the, the tavern before he leaves. Well, shall we? I don't know if he will return. Quite frankly, I am going to sleep a lot easier now knowing that someone is not going to try to pilfer through my things when I am sleeping. Anyway, uh, Yerlin, we should probably inform Frida. Yeah, I'll go grab her real quick. Very good. And I run upstairs. Yeah, I'm currently checking on the two siblings, seeing if they need anything. So, Antony, you said the transfusion and everything went well, yes? It takes a while to be sure, but I believe the operation was a success. The sickness will set in not too long after if it was a failure, but it's impossible to see now. Are either of them conscious right now? Ismark is. Okay. He has his, his hand on his sword and his belt, but Irina is still asleep. Okay. I ask Ismark, do you, do you two have any food here? Do you need me to go grab something? He nods and says, we have no more food in the cellar for now. It will be uh, good to have some. I usually just stop by the inn most nights, but I was going to go without anything tonight. I'll go grab you two something. You need to have food to regain your strength. True enough. Okay. Well, I will go meet my companions, and we will go out in search of something for you to eat. And then, um, I guess, I mean, I'm you're I'm currently running up the stairs and <laughs> barrel into Frida. Right. Oh, oh I, I was just coming to get you. Oh, perfect timing. <laughs> perfect timing. I was just going to go get some food for the two siblings here. Well, I I have some news. What's happened? Oh, Yelbert is nowhere to be found. What? He's just well, gone. Where could he have gone? Does he need I, help? All we know is he left the dog. He left old Yelbert, Lancelot, whatever you want to call him. He just left him. Not with Vincent. Well, God, no. I wouldn't leave Vincent with that dog for anything. Okay, good, good, good. No, with uh, Antony. With Antony. Oh, well, that, that'll be nice, at least. Antony will have a have a companion. Should we go find him? Well, I mean, I don't know how else we're going to survive without him. I thought it looked pretty bleak even with him. Yeah, this house isn't going to protect itself, and especially with these two down for the count. Yes, well, we were hoping to see if he might have slipped to the tavern to in search for gold or something. Ah, perfect. Well, I was going to head into town anyways to grab some food for all of us, really. Let's go quickly before the sun sets. I agree. All right. You guys go ahead and head out of the manor. And, uh, oh, oh, no, they have fell. Uh, we'll go ahead and switch <laughs> over to the village of Barovia camp here. All righty. So we're heading into, I guess, the tavern then. Yeah. Real quick. Do I have any money? <laughs> I don't think uh, I, do. I I have some, I think. All right, anyways. So yeah, you guys uh, head down the street as the day turns to twilight. As you head, as you get into the courtyard itself, uh, you see a shaft of light spilling into it and painting the courtyard. The shaft of light coming from the tavern. All right, well, I suppose we should head in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You go ahead and approach the Blood on the Vine Tavern. It's signed precariously askew as you... Go ahead and head into the doorway. Inside is a warm room, well lit, with all sorts of lights. One, The biggest one coming from a hearth in the room. Across from that is a bar where a rotund, very pale man sits cleaning mugs. Uh, by the entrance, three Vistani women sit 
sipping wine glasses. There's another guest here tonight. If we get a description, so not not too tall. I was wearing kind of wearing a black top hat and a black, you know, just a black leather jacket. Not it's not like an overcoat, but it's kind of like a just like a normal coat. And all you see is just has a flask of holy water and just sitting at the table. All right. The only yeah. real description I can give at the moment. I don't want to give it too much. <laughs> That's fun. I, I wrote down black top hat and overcoat. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go ahead and walk uh, walk up to the bar. Sure. As you walk up, uh, one of the Vistani women snicker behind you as the uh, bartender just gives you a simple nod. Good, sir. Have you seen a halfling pass by here? Uh, kind of a kind of a queaky voice, shifty eyes, predilection for dice. He shakes his head slowly, continuing to uh, clean his glass. One glass, but <laughs> he's just continually cleaning. So is that, is yeah. that the only glass you have, or are there others behind, behind the bar? He kind of motions slowly with one hand behind him, and then continues to clean that one glass. <laughs> <laughs> right. I take. Uh, I guess. Uh, how much is it? How much for for a drink, sir? One copper per glass. Okay. I toss him two gold pieces, and I. Uh, point to the Vistani women and I say, keep them swimming all night. Also, and I put another uh, gold, couple gold down and say I need some food and something for Istmark back up at Burgermeister's uh, house. Uh, the pudgy man nods and he, he goes to go ahead and grab you some more food. Very good. Uh, I go talk to the Vistani women. Sure. The three women uh, look very similar to one another. All three give you a look with uh, small grins on their faces. Uh, one says, ah, a foreigner. Very exotic. Oh, why, thank you. I've never had that comment before. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like everybody else where I come from. But anyways, I was wondering if you ladies saw a halfling about my size, but uh, a little little bit shiftier coming through here. Uh, one of them gives a, a little giggle and she says, I don't imagine it'll be alive for too much longer on his own. Hopefully he found some others to travel with, but we have not seen one. We would have warned him to never go alone here in Grovia. Yeah, that, that's part of why we want to find him. We want to make sure he stays safe. Hopefully the fool hasn't gone and got himself killed. Ah, oh, you're telling me, man. Alrighty, well thanks, ladies. And I decide to approach the, uh, the figure in the leather jacket. Excuse me, sir. I nudge him. <laughs> did, I say, did I say you could touch me? <laughs> sir, I'm sorry. I just... I, sir, if, beg my pardon. I beg your pardon. Sorry. Uh, anyway, hi. <laughs> I'm looking for a friend of mine. Perhaps you've seen him? Small, kind of light fingers, heavy pockets? No, but the only friends of yours I've seen is the short one and the guy about as smooth as sandpaper. What? I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, they belong to me. <laughs> I see. Mm. What brings you here? You don't seem like you're from around here either. Man, you're about as sharp as they come. No, I'm not. I'm just traveling. I'm just traveling. Doing my jam. Can't really go home, but uh, life's good. But anyway, no, I haven't seen your friend. He's probably dead if he's here. Uh, well, how have you survived so long alone then? I got a flask. That's all I really need. That and a big stick. Well, you seem to be a simple man. Perhaps you'd like to meet my friends. 
Mm, weighing my options. Perhaps a drink. I go to the bartender. I'll buy him another round. Uh, he nods as he goes ahead and pours a, uh, a small glass with a red wine. Man, you really know how to talk my language, all right. So what do you want to know? Well, besides your friend, I already told you that. Well, perhaps just company for now. The night, unfortunately, might be my last, and it's always good to make new friends, I suppose. That's fair. Frida, come meet our new friend. We already started wandering over. <laughs> yeah, I'm Frida. Hello, I'm Frida. Nice to meet you. Catavarus, but uh, you can call me Carbuncle. Oh, that's a fun name. Definitely not from around here. Where are you staying? Nowhere at the moment. Kind of just got here not too long ago. Kind of just wandered in. Mm. Well, I kind of get the vibe that we need to get inside before nightfall. So you're more than welcome to join us if, if you're up for, like, a fight. Well, hold on. Sorry, we fighting who now? <laughs> Listen, we are actually staying at the large manor up the street. It's not much right now, but it's probably no, no, warmer it's than... scary as hell. <laughs> well, it's going to be a lot better than those corpse down the road, unless you'd like to join them. Now come you, for it. You make, you make a very good point. <laughs> I, so I call it from the bar and I just go, he can't fight. I'm sorry, what would you say, Sandpaper? A man with a man with such well-pressed clothes and such fashion sense has no place on the battlefield. <laughs> what a fabulous uh, compliment! <laughs> I don't know where should uh, slap you or uh, shake your hand. I won't use a close fist against a woman. <laughs> uh, Vincent, uh, excuse me, offensive. <laughs> <laughs> Be kind to our new friend, Vincent. And Vincent just, uh, Vincent just nods and goes back to the bar. Okay, well, maybe he'll stay over there for now. So. <laughs> he, he's a bit grumpy. Yeah, now, so please forgive you. him. He what? is a little stressed at the moment. You know, we are in a bit of a dire situation, and honestly, we could use some hands, and I bet together we have stand a better chance. It's true. Beats diet. Uh, you're yes, right, Rita. it does be time, but uh, <laughs> hopefully he can uh, he can keep that attitude in the leather bag he got it from. <laughs> Not likely. Okay, listen. Perhaps we should give Vincent something to take the edge off. I don't Good. drink. Well, you're not here right now. You're not listening. Oh, right. <laughs> Are we going to him? <laughs> I, think, I think... I think <laughs> heavily, I don't drink. <laughs> Vincent out here like, go, go, gadget superhero. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, uh, perhaps I should go grab some food. Are you hungry, stranger? I could eat. Okay. Frida, have you purchased uh, food for the evening yet? No, I believe Vincent was in the process of doing that. Yes, I, I, I already bought food for us and, and everything like that. I would assume if, it's, if the drinks are copper... A couple gold pieces is going to go very far here. It's not very good wine. <laughs> well, how much for the for food for all of us? I was like, I have full rations, so like, I don't I don't need food right now, but it would be nice not to have to eat into my stuff. So Yeah, might as well save them, right? Yeah, let me make sure I have the numbers right here. But, uh, so yeah, uh, just like a meal would probably be about five copper. So yeah, two gold does go a good way for meals. Yeah. Perfect. Meals are only good for, you know, Kind of when they're bought, like fresh, yeah. basically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so they don't keep like rations, but they have the upside of being a lot cheaper. And I have, and guys, I have prestidigitation, so Ooh. so they'll taste like a feast. 
Wow. <laughs> Fucking yeah. proficiency. He, he works at it every time he can. Oh my Dude, god. I am I I read a book over the weekend oh. that was like a hundred and one ways to use prestidigitation. And uh it was glorious. How do you convince someone that they're dying changed like parts of their skin color? <laughs> well, it's like, I mean, like, you, you can use everything for, like, making, like, party tricks and fireworks and stuff like that to, like, like, there like there are some, like, seriously, like, cool things you can do with this stuff. Hell, I've but, used uh, it to hide from someone to make myself look like a corpse covered in dust. <laughs> yeah, you, you, it's it's almost like a minor illusion in some ways. It's really cool. Much, anyway. Yeah. All right, moving along. Uh, yeah, so I guess we're just kind of waiting for, um... Yeah, he'll bring, he'll bring out some meals. Oh, I was just gonna talk to Yurlin and see what she was able to find about Yelpert. Well, I didn't find anything. I didn't either. You? No, those those ladies over there hadn't seen him, but they were a little um, cold, <laughs> I guess. They were very much warning us that it's not good to be alone here, especially at night, and that, you know, things have been coming out at night. I mean, that sounds pretty much like everybody else here. Exactly. Um, doesn't surprise me. I nod at, at Frida and, and, and you're listening, saying that they were cold. And uh, I turned back to the bartender and I just gestured to the top shelf, pulled up. Uh, there's three of them, right? Three shelves? Oh, three gals. No, no, oh, yes, three so. gals, yes. Yes. I mean, yes, there could be three shelves, too. But, three of um, everything. So basically, I just I go, I just hold up the number three and get the three top shelf drinks. Hopefully that will come out of that gold I gave him yeah, for, to uh, keep him swimming. He eyes the the three gals across the room as he as he leans it a bit. I'm not sure if the mistresses want to drink. They will take the money though, sir. Mm -hmm. mm, very well. Uh, then I just pass one down to uh, Frida to um, a drink. You mean? Yeah, the three drinks that that I get, I'm still gonna get them. Okay, yeah, kind of kind of wine. Probably a red. So I just go and just slide them down to the three of them. Yeah. And then I, I'm going to go walk over to uh, to the women. Good luck, Stifflet. And I just kind of nod at him and go back to the ladies. And uh, I come over and say, good evening. I see not much on pleasantries. So, my ladies, you frequent this place, I assume. <sighs> I was hoping we could have some kind of civil chat because, well, we are strangers in this land, new, I suppose, in town, and I had hoped that somebody who frequents such a wonderful establishment would have their ears and eyes on everything that goes on in this town, but it seems I must be mistaken. Uh, you were talking to the ladies? Yes. Uh, one, one splits her face with a grin, she says... We are not so spoken in your former tongue. Forgive us. We are the owners of this fine establishment that you so flatter us with. I mean it all. Now, my uh, lady, may I have the pleasure of your name? Mirabel is my name. And these are my sisters. Very good. And I nod to each of them. And I say, you uh, are they? Are they? Are they human? What? What are they? They're all three uh, human. Yes, all three human. Okay, I just okay. Vistani. Uh, you you are you are of the Vistani, Yes, that's right. 
And shall I tell you a story? She perks up a bit and she says, You're not so foreign at all, then. Why is your skin so dark? Seen too much sun. <laughs> I spent time in a land called Spain, if you are aware of it. A far-off place. We do not get to travel like most of our brethren, but a tale would be pleasure. Very good. I was hoping we could share a tale, and perhaps you might loosen your tongues. You may try. I, well, I gesture to one, to one of the open chairs, and may I? As she nods. Okay, and I uh, sit down at the table, and I go, where to begin? It all started, I, well, actually, I guess this is about a day ago, <laughs> the, the Durst Manor. So it all started just a few days ago. We came wandering into Barovia after actually having the joy of the company of your brethren. One of them had met us in a pub and had invited us to a celebration of yours. Afterwards, we wandered through the forest trying to get back to the town. We found ourselves in front of a large gate uh, at the beginning of uh, what you call a Barovia, yes? The land? That's right. Uh, we pushed onwards, and as we were coming to the outskirts of this town, we ran into a whitewashed four-story building. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but I believe it's called the Durst Manor, but I believe I prefer to call it the death house. We went inside after one of our companions uh, foolishly jumped the fence and had his eyes on riches and a fog, dense and deadly, surrounded us. We had no choice but to seek shelter from the driving rain and the deadly fog inside that manor. And the horrors we saw inside where they would curl, well, even the straightest of hair, we began at the bottom, going through from room to room, trying to find what had happened to this house. The house was dark, it was cold, looked like it hadn't been lived in for years. We were met by two children. Now, not normal children, but those that have gone beyond the grave. Ghosts. And they told us of their parents trying to take down some monster, some evil. And somehow, they had died. We went all about the house again, up, upstairs, through the uh, bedrooms, and we found a letter in a jewelry box from, Ms., from Mrs. Elizabeth Durst, sit talking about some ceremony that was to proceed that night, or whenever it was written, and that the innocent sacrifices would have a better result, though... She could not claim that there were such innocence in whatever they were going to sacrifice. Now, my dear ladies, the wind and the rain was going through, was go, it was blowing through the house. And our good friend, Yerlin, and I point over to, to Yerlin, had a brilliant idea of how to shut the doors. So oh, we God. approached the closet. <laughs> we approached, we approached oh, the, no. the closet. <laughs> And we decided to have a genius thing, which actually is quite common in the Vatican. You, you can look it up where I'm, I'm from. And um, we took it off its hinges, broke it in twine, and shoved it, wedged it beneath the door. We locked the other door with another door, uh, uh, it, moreover, as, as it went. 
<laughs> and it kept the door completely shut from the wind and the rain. You could now, have just locked the door. <laughs> and I look over it. I look over at. Uh, I look over at her and uh, the one who said that. And I wink and I say, "But where was the fun in that?" And uh, <laughs> I'm trying to play it smooth here. Uh, anyway, uh, so we went. Um, we went through and we found uh, the servants' quarters. What it looked like, and off the scullery on the side there, we found a shade of a woman crying and singing while rocking some kind of cradle. Now, not wishing to disturb the obviously disturbed spirit, we shut it away and left. We went up the stairs and were attacked by some foul machinations of some suit of armor and its possessed weapons. And afterwards, we, after destroying them, we found a room off to the side. It was full in an attic area, but off to the side, there was a bedroom. And there, unfortunately, is where we found, amongst the rags and amongst the bedding, the bodies of the two children. We also found an exact replica of the house. And we found a secret staircase. Yes, a secret staircase that led us to the catacombs below. After finding our way through the... I, what I can only assume is a mausoleum and cultist area, we went through and were set upon by a foul undead creature. It was... Um, what was it? It was a... Was it a ghoul? Is that what it was? I managed to set it on fire with my with uh, with my bonfire, and I used I used my I used prestidigitation to create a create a small fire, and then like cut it out in my hand. My part was like my party fought valiantly against the sinister creatures, and finally, it fell dead after being hit with holy water. It burned it and melted it down. We went into another room and found. The lord of the manor, Mr. Durst, dead, hung by his own hand, with a note claiming to his beloved children all he wanted to do was be a good father and that monsters weren't real, but that simply wasn't true. We found him and buried him amongst his kin in the mausoleum, and we ventured further down into a cesspit beneath the house. Hold on. Wait a second. Is this Vincent just trying to justify trying to kill the dog? No, I'm telling a story. <laughs> there's a re- guys, there's a reason I'm telling the story. She, she goes over, hey, hey, you and Rod say killing that dog was all right. <laughs> <laughs> How do you respond to that? I didn't. Ah, uh, you just ignored it. Yeah, I went on. We, we went into a cesspit beneath the house. <laughs> After trying to get the portcullis up, we... we through feats of strength we were unable to. We found an altar beyond. Now, previously in the manor, I had found a book. A book on death rituals. How to uh, prolong one's life through sacrifice, yes. Unfortunately, I had been overzealous, and I had read the book knowing that it was complete hogwash. Now, there's no way to unnaturally extend someone's life in that manner. 
but I was fooled. And so, going into the, finding a secret way through that book, we found an altar. We found the altar. We went up to the altar. Ghosts appeared all around us, and the only way for us to get out was to sacrifice something there on the altar. Now, I admit, I had been taken in by the cruel machinations of the house, and I knew that there must be a price to pay for what we had done and what we had wrought. And so, I took the dog, Lancelot, and I attempted to kill him. Now, I was thankfully stopped by that halfling friend who we've been desperately searching for, uh, Yelbert, who shot me twice. <laughs> yeah, twice. Yes. Uh, but thankfully I was saved by one of our friends and cooler heads prevailed as we left the house. And surprisingly, nothing happened. But once we reached the top of the house, we took all the remains from the house and buried them, as was tradition. But we were met by a black carriage and outstrode a man whom I believe you may know as the... The good Lord Strad himself. Indeed. And he, gave, he bestowed upon our party... Uh, and I point over to Yerlin, this fine cloak. And, and I take out, he did he give us an invitation too? No. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That was, a, I, I, I mistook Strahd's letter. That was another thing that was, thing. right. Uh, so I said, he gave, uh, he gave uh, Yerlin this and thanked us for dispelling the evil in that manner. I believe we then went and burnt the house down so that we know we could fall trapped to it again, but we laid the children to rest, and their spirits thanked us. And that is when we arrived in the town of Barovia. So that's where the good lord had rode off to. He was here in town for a while. He was in town? Yes. Now, I may not know the customs of the nobility in this land, but certainly that seems a bit odd. A com uh, a highborn amongst commoners, like us. Oh, he wasn't here for long, though you can still see the effects here. What do you mean? Why, everyone shut in. That whole town dark, dead. The burgomaster you... dead, at his hand too. At Lord Strahd's hand. Yeah. Now, why would he do such a thing like that? I... He's after the girl there. Don't you see? It's an old story, that. I do not know the whole thing. And you have to find that. I imagine Madam Eva by the river. I know. We have heard of Madam Eva. Is she in town? No, just down the way, by the waterfall. But we do know of Strad's thirst for such young women. It would seem that 
that trait is not is universal amongst the nobility. Perhaps more deadly this. But we have nothing to fear from the good lord. You will never lay hands on a Vistani. Yes, I have understand that you are somewhat of a chosen people. Now, how did you become such a chosen tribe? An old story, that, that many Vistani know. Now, we were told that our Lord Strahd was the, the prince, was wounded in a battle once, or, or chased by some of his enemies, and the Vistani took him in. And then he allowed them to come back to Verovia. Now, of course, the Vasani are a nomadic people, yes? But he said that you'd always be welcome in Barovia. That is true. There seems to be more to it, though. Certainly that would not have such a blanket kibosh for an entire civilization. He is quite an honorable fellow, Lord Strad. His exact word is something he always follows, you see. And his exact world is, was, that is, that he would always be, Brovi would always be open to our people. And that's all of them. He did not know there were so many of us then, perhaps. But nonetheless, he keeps his word. And there must be some kind of exchange. Certainly, an old promise must be maintained in some way. You may find many Vistani servants loyal to him. Are there others that are not? None I know. One shouldn't bite the master's hand. No, certainly not. I would like to know more about our Lord Von Zarevich, as we are in his domain. And, frankly, I would like to know the law of the land so that way we know not to overstep it, you see. Now, we did meet an interesting fellow um, by the name of Aragal. Ah, uh, quite the Vistani indeed. A legend. A legend, you say? Yes. A famed assassin, you see. He uses his connection here to travel all around the world kill targets a lover of poisons he did tell us something about the uh, dwarf shrooms that when properly prepared they became a deadly poison a threat perhaps perhaps but he seems to be at least in our meetings true to his word one should be careful with our Though, I don't imagine you'll have a second encounter with the man. One wouldn't want another, anyway. Yes. I hope, if we do, it is still on friendly terms. You're mixed up in all sorts of things here. I don't think you're long for this world. <laughs> yes, I have been told that on numerous occasions. And not just by you, no, no, no. Or the Vistani. There was something we were looking for, but unfortunately it seems the church does not have anything like that. What has happened to the poor fellow up there? The priest, you mean? Yes. Mad with grief for his poor son, who had returned one of the bloodsuckers. The bloodsuckers? 
A vampire, you see. Uh, how do you know? She uh, gives you a wry grin. Hey, lady's intuition, perhaps? <laughs> Come now, my dear, you're giving yourself far too little credit. Plays her fingers on the table and says, It is usually difficult to notice a vampire. It's... But the young ones... The young ones are almost impossibly possible to hide. If you were to lay your eyes upon him, you'll see him. You would see. We did hear scuttling and what seemed very monstrous below the church. So, I assume you are correct. Whereas other vampires would be able to hide themselves much more adeptly. Yes, very true. Very well. Well, do you have a story to, to share with me too, my ladies? Or shall we... Or shall I order you around and be on our way? We, as the owners, do not need another drink. But I wouldn't want to let my stories rest with the dead. <laughs> so you better be on your way. <laughs> Good evening, ladies. And I stand up and bow, and I look over to the party, and I just kind of give them a look like, are you ready? Yeah, I mean, I think we're ready. I got nothing better to do. Let's go. <laughs> All right. <laughs> also, Vincent, uh, we we knew he was a vampire. I'm being strategic with what I'm saying here. Okay. Frida has okay. no filter. Carbuncle, come out, come along. Let's get going before the sun sets. No, let's watch the sunset from here, and then we can go home. Mm, no. <laughs> uh, so one one thing one thing you have to recall is the sun. Never shows here in Barovia. Oh. It's always cloudy. So you'll never actually see the sunset. Before it gets dark, then. It just gets dark. Before <laughs> so it gets darker than it already is. It's like living it's like living in Portland or Seattle all the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Is there gonna be like a freaking like just some random dude with like a freaking like box glasses and a fucking like Twisty mustache, like a black and white striped shirt. Oh, jeez. I was like, we're we're uh, I was like, we're, we're we're in a small town in Washington called Forks. That's where we are. Oh my God. So, oh, that's well, that's yeah, that's that's where we are. We're we're in, we're, we're in Forks, Washington. Exactly. I only drink free range human blood. I like free range. Human blood. <laughs> <laughs> then I guess we're safe, right? I was a vampire. I was a vampire before it was cool. Okay. <laughs> now for saying that. Anyway. Um. Anyway. All right. Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah, so so let's. I'm gonna grab. We'll grab the meals. Make sure we had. Yeah. We grab all the stuff we had, and then take any change I had left over and uh, take so, it yeah, back. Yeah. Uh, you get handed the six meals along with a whole gold and five silver. <laughs> I don't think Frida's ever had anything to drink before. Oh yeah, that's right. I didn't drink yet either. Um. I just assumed this was part of the meals and we're taking it with us. Okay. Drinking on the go. <laughs> In the street. So, so, uh, Vincey goes, all right, if you aren't going to drink it, then just well, give it. If one of you isn't going to drink it, then just give it to me. I have a use for it. Our hosts might enjoy it. Well, we shouldn't. They, Perhaps. they, they, they don't have they a should. lot of blood. Yeah, they shouldn't drink though. They don't. They have yeah, yeah, yeah. But water's not a clean thing, so I'm sure they're used to it. 
I can make clean. I can clean water, you guys. We can all clean water. <laughs> What's the I'm just saying. water? Amazing. <laughs> yeah, see, uh, it's fine. I didn't want to like give it to them right now. I mean, one of them's not even conscious. Yeah, yeah. Okay. that's fine. Yeah, I, was, <laughs> I was gonna do holy communion, but that's just me. Man, the more I hear about you guys talk about this place, the less I'm inclined to follow you. <laughs> Let's but go. I, I am intrigued, so I'll follow anyway. Kalani, <laughs> you know you're a dumb bitch. Wait, we have, <laughs> we have oh, you, you know me all too well. <laughs> Head back to yeah, the place. Uh, you, you hit outside, and it's super dark now. Oh, no. No. We let him talk too long. <laughs> well, guys, I can create bonfire and whatever, and we can, you know, just... Are you sure you didn't want to use prestidigitation? I could use prestidigitation, too. <laughs> Don't fucking tempt me, bitch. I got this. <laughs> you want fire? I got fire for days, okay? And just wait till I got fireball, okay? Just wait till I get fireball. That's it. That's only, like, three levels away. But do you have it right now, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> No, but I can no, but y'all, I can go invisible. So, you know. Perhaps we should get back to the manor. Yeah, let's yeah. go the fuck let's back go. to the manor. I'm down yeah. to follow. Let's My fire is bigger than your fire. <laughs> I have a stick and a secret weapon. Do we need to make rolls, or are we? Don't volunteer us for rolls. <laughs> as long as you're as long as you're able to light the whole way, you won't need a roll. They're they're all cantrips, so it's just like. Boom! Bonfire here. All right, I move. I still have torches too. That's funny. Lights yeah. up the town. And then boom! Bonfire here. Boom! Bonfire here. Yeah, we can we can get there. Or yeah. I can hold prestidigitation. I can just hold a piece of flame aloft. So, as you are uh, going down the street to the uh, the manor that's kind of silhouetted out in the dark, you, you swear you can hear something flying. The mm. beat of wings just out of sight. Somewhere above you. Not a vibe. Yep. <laughs> Not a vibe. That's definitely that's. I believe that is what Ismar was talking about. Thing that was flying up to the window. Oh, Ismar. Sorry, I thought you said something else. I was like, huh? Uh, Rita was distracted. Yes, shiny. Um, <laughs> I have a javelin. Now, <laughs> we did put stuff on that insides and outsides of the window. I remember that. Can we send some light a little bit aloft to see where um, the beat of wings like went? How do you want to send this light? Hmm. Good question. Now, what is the language of Create Bonfire? Oh, uh, here, let me, let me, I'll pop it up here. I don't think so. you can throw that up for this guy. <laughs> yeah, no? Isaac, I don't think you can, but let's just... Uh, and we can't light, it. like, a tree on fire? Just spawns a bonfire. You, you could light his house on fire. <laughs> well, we don't want to do that. Fair. Okay, Fair. yeah, so, so Create Bonfire... Uh, you create a bonfire on the ground. You can see within range until the spell ends. Uh, five foot cube. Any creature in the bonfire space when you cast a spell. Dexterity save. Yada, yada, yada. Uh, also must make saving throws if it has to move through the bonfire space. Yeah, it just says it will ignite flammable objects in the area that aren't being worn or carried. Okay. Um, here's a question. Right. If he were to create bonfire just in general could i light a javelin on fire and throw it 
And would that cause a forest fire? <laughs> or a house fire? Either way. No, it probably wouldn't. Okay. Would, would, that... it gi- would it give the javelin any extra damage? No. Uh, no fire damage. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's if I'm going to hit anything, but if we can illuminate what's going on, that would be really nice. So I guess I'll do that if he wants to put a bonfire down. Yep. <laughs> uh, you put the bonfire down, and you sort of light the area near the tip of the javelin on fire. Uh, yeah. And you go ahead and throw it towards the sound. <laughs> I rolled oh, a 24. <laughs> so you see the light uh, go out, uh, and it gives a, a squelchy thunk as it hits something. You see a great big bat, uh, a massive thing, perhaps about three or four feet uh, in wingspan, with great big red eyes as it sinks deep into this creature, uh, and the light slowly goes out. <laughs> wait, is it wait? Is it like a giant, like a like a bat, or does it look humanoid? It's a bat. Okay, so it's just a giant and fucking bat. The light goes out of its eyes or of the javelin? Of the javelin. Okay. Does it seem dead? <laughs> Do we know? Can no. We... Okay. Um, it, didn't, it didn't fall or anything. It just hit it. We should go inside. <laughs> bye bye yes. javelin. Apparently. <laughs> That's fine. I have four others. It's whatever. (laughs) Thank you for listening to this episode of Dice and Consequences. If you like what we do here, please follow, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. To stay up to date on the show, follow us on Instagram at DiceNPodcast or send us an email at DiceAndConsequences at gmail.com. Attribution for the sound effects can be found in the episode description. Theme song and outro is Firestone by Seth Baldwin. Since I have you here, did you also think that quicksand would become a much bigger issue than it actually was in everyday life, or is that just me? Sorry, I had to check my guinea pig. She looked dead. She's fine. Oh, <laughs> well, good. She has that's, this thing called sleeping, and it that's really what, scares me. That's what guinea pigs do. They just look... <laughs> Hamsters, too. They have an unfortunate thing where, like, you're like, are you dead? Nah, you're fine. Uh, Kirsty picked up, picked it up and squeezed it to resuscitate it and just put it back in its cage. It, may, it makes a squeaky noise, too. Like, a... <laughs> <laughs>